Who invented this kind of nonsense? Under the word transcendent, that's supposed to tell you how to pronounce the word. Transcendent. It sounds like maybe I had something to drink. I don't know. Transcendent. Transcendent. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, that God is transcendent. It's a 50-cent seminary word that college students and seminarians and theologians sit around to talk about God. He is transcendent. The definition, the theological definition, is essentially the same as as the dictionary definition, exceeding or surpassing in degree or excellence. Exceeding or surpassing in degree or excellence. God is greater than us. God is bigger than us. God is greater than his creation. He's higher. He's more excellent. We could keep going on with all kinds of modifiers to try to explain how God is this great other that is out there, that he's huge, he's beyond. He is more than we can possibly think about. And until our minds shut down, we will never be able to put into words what it means that God is transcendent. Now, here's the point. What difference does that make? What difference does it make that God is different than us, that God is other than us, that God thinks differently, acts differently? What does that mean? What difference does it make? Have you ever heard this phrase? I'm taking a chance because I know this offends some people because they said this offends some people. Have you ever heard the phrase, they have snakes in their head? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen anybody with snakes in their head? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Have snakes in their head. I learned this phrase five or six years ago. You may have heard me say this phrase myself because I think it is a perfect portrait of what goes on in our head sometimes. We have snakes in our head. And let me be clear to you. Let me help you understand perfectly. I hate snakes. We've gone through this, and I need you to understand this thoroughly. If you were on Facebook the other day and you saw some maniac had a video of a mama snake giving birth to snakes. Did any of y'all see that? Oh, my word. Let me share something with you. There is no horror movie that has ever been, literally, I am not kidding you. I am not kidding. When I went to bed that night, I could not sleep. All I kept seeing was these little six-inch things popping out and squiggling all over the place. And I had, I am not, this is not, I'm not a joke. I had to lay in bed and pray and work and think to get my mind clear so I could go to sleep. I hate snakes. And to say that you've got snakes in your head perfectly explains that thinking to me. Something is in your head that is working to bring harm. There's something in your head that's working to bring something that's not good. Snakes are an archetype for evil. They always have been. You go back to the third chapter of Genesis and you hear these words. Now the serpent What's a serpent? A snake. That's it. Serpent's a snake. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you read that scripture, you tend to lower your voice. 
did God actually say? Why would you do that? Well, if he said the lion said it, the lion would go, did God actually say? Elephant, did God actually say? Snake, the biggest snake I've ever seen was about this big around. Now, let me tell you right now, that kind of a snake is... But even that big around, how big a voice are you going to hear? Did God actually say? Almost a whisper. Did God actually say to say someone has snakes in their head means they have something in their mind whispering truths untruths half truths fake realities whispering these things into the person's soul at some point in all of our lives we have had snakes whisper things into our souls that cause fear that cause depression that cause loneliness, that cause lack of confidence. We have snakes whisper that steal our joy and destroy our peace. And sometimes these snakes whisper to us long enough and we listen and follow them long enough that they wreck our lives. What difference does a transcendent God make to people with snakes in their head? I'm going to fly through Isaiah 55. Isaiah chapter 55. If you've got your Bible open and follow along with me. I want to ask you if you would, when you go home today, before the game, after the game, during a break, halftime, don't care when, read Isaiah 54 and 55. It's not a lot. Don't read it fast. Think about it as you read through it. Isaiah 54 and 55 because it is dynamite. It is absolutely dynamite. Isaiah 55, we're going to do the whole chapter real fast. Isaiah 55 says, um, let me see, oh, I skipped a little thing. I want to tell you this right quick. It is written, uh, the scripture is written with two applications. And when you read the commentaries, you understand the two applications. One of them is, is that it is purely historical. This scripture is purely historical. Israel has disobeyed God like they always do. They had come back to God at this point, and God says, okay, here's the deal, dudes. I'm going to appoint a king over you that's going to restore Israel back to its former glory, going to make it bigger, better, more wonderful. This is what I'm going to do. So there is that historical, and you could read it and say it's just history. That's good. You could stop there. But a lot of Scripture has dual application. And when you read this Scripture, it almost yells at you. That it applies to people who have snakes in their head. It applies perfectly to people who have snakes in their head. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. We are mostly water. We all know that. We've all had third grade science. We understand exactly how that operates. And because we are mostly water, we thirst. You could sit around the house all day, every day, and do absolutely nothing. And yet, even doing that, you're going to get thirsty. And if you don't drink, just sitting around the house doing nothing, you will die. We have to have water. And what God is saying here is he is saying, everybody, everyone who thirsts, everybody, don't care who you are, he is calling out to everybody. But listen to what he's saying here. He says, if you're thirsty, come. And don't worry if you got money. Don't worry about the money. Just come on. If you're thirsty, come on. And not only that, but when you get here, you're going to get more than you asked for because the first thing you're going to get, you're going to have the water here, but there's also going to be food. 
I'm going to give you not what just you need, but I'm going to give you more than what you need. Give you water for your thirst. I'm going to give you food. And then he says, I'll give you wine and milk. Milk for those who are growing. Those who don't understand fully yet what it means to have God working with you, walking with you, working in your life. I'm going to give you milk to make you strong and to grow you up and to get you where you need to go. If you don't quite get it yet, that's okay. I'm going to give you milk so that you can get strong. And those of you get it who get it, I'm going to give you wine. That's not well-chade. What he's saying here is those who understand, I'm going to give you wine to make your heart merry. Well-chade does not make your heart merry. It makes your sugar go up. There's a difference. He's saying he's going to give wine to those who understand so that their hearts will explode with joy. That's what he's saying he's going to do. Milk for those who are growing, wine for those that understand. He wants us to grow and then explode with joy because we understand what he's wanting to do with us here. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Now, here are the snakes, all right? Here are the snakes. Why do you spend your money? Why do you spend your life? Now, I've said this before. I'll say it again, and I'll say it over and over and over again because I really want this concept to get into your head. Money equals life. Unless you are independently wealthy and your parents forever have have sent money down for inheritance— This may not apply to you. You may not grasp the concept. I'm not sure that we got anybody in here that fits that bill. But if you do, that's cool. Make sure you tithe. (laughs) Just saying. But for the rest of us, the church pays me X amount of money and expects me to give of my time to get the job done. When I worked with AT&T, they paid me X amount of money per year. They didn't care how many hours I worked. They said, here's the job. If you can do it in 40 hours, God bless you. If you can do it in 120 hours, that's just too bad. You better work to get through. This is what you're trading. You're giving your life, and we're giving you money so you can live. The best illustration is for somebody that's got their first job ever, and they're getting paid $8 an hour. And here's the easy way to understand that, lo- that money is life. $8 an hour, and you go to McDonald's, and you order combo number, I don't know, 10, and they say it's $8.23. You are trading them an hour of your life for a hamburger. See what I'm talking about? Money is life. Money is life. And I want us to think that way so that when we are in our careers and we're chasing things, we understand that in order to get these things, we've got to trade something for it. And the only thing we have to trade is the time that we have here on this earth. And God is asking us here, why do you spend your money? Why do you spend your life, your thinking, your worrying, your fretting, your planning, your life's energy? Why are you spending your life buying things that don't satisfy you, that aren't sustenance to you, that don't give you life? 
Why are you spending your life on those things that you already know won't satisfy you? It's elusive, and you know that it's not going to give you what. Why are you spending your life on that? Oh, Randy, I'm different, though. You don't get it. I'm different, brother. Here's how it's going to work with me. Everybody else doesn't work for them, but I'm the exception. It's going to happen. See, listen to that snake as he hisses that lie to you. You're smarter. You're a special case. This is going to work for you. This will be better for my family. I know this is going to be better for my family. I know they're going to suffer for a little while, and I know they're resilient, and they'll get over it, and we'll get it. This is going to be better for my family. This is going to be better for my husband, or this is going to be better for my wife. I know it's going to hurt them for a little while. I know that it's going to take a minute for them to understand what's going on. But in the long run, this is going to be better for everybody because, you see, this is going to be better for me. This is going to be better for me. Maybe the snake's hissing that to you. Or maybe the snake is hissing something else to you and says, you know what? You'll never be good enough. Your entire life. Do you, have you not heard what people have said to you your entire life? You're not good enough. You know you're not good enough. You're on the borderline of being trash. Nothing good ever happens to you. You've never won anything in your life. You never get anything. Everybody around you is either going to get sick, is sick, or is just getting over something. Everybody around you is dying. Something is always wrong. Other people get delivered, but I'm a special case. Doesn't the Bible say that, that this is my lot, that this is my cross to bear, and that if I'll just accept this, I'll be a whole lot better off? Better off? There's that snake hissing this to you. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Have you ever done this to kids? Have you ever done this? You've, you put up with them as long as you can. You know, maybe you're babysitting or, or maybe you've just got a house full of kids and they're all being kids today and they're making all this noise and they're running every which way and they're doing all this stuff and then finally you can't stand it anymore you're trying to get their attention you want them to come eat you want them to do whatever and you stop and you just go hush, 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 hush. you ever done that i'm the only one right yeah mm -hmm. yeah i believe that it's what god's doing right here he's saying hush 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 quit talking Come to me, God says. Be quiet. Gather around me. Listen to me and hear what I've got to say. For what I am saying will give life to your soul. That hunger that you've got, I am going to fill you up. That thirst that you have, I am going to get rid of that thirst. You're going to get something that's going to change your life and fill you in a way that's unimaginable. God is speaking in this not to people 2,500 years ago or longer. He's speaking to every one of us in here right this minute. He's saying, hush, be still. Listen to me and pay attention. 
I am giving you something that if you will hear it and take it to heart, it will change your life. And not just for a minute. He says here he's promising an everlasting covenant. What I'm doing for you will not be for a minute, an hour, a day, a month, a year, a lifetime. What I am doing for you will be eternally eternal and it revolves around the messiah that's why he mentions david here messiah was born from david's lineage listen to me he says no understand messiah and i will transform your life now i know that i know that i know that when i started talking that some of you just clicked me off Boop. because i've been there done that got it i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm good i saw not Evan Almighty, Bruce Almighty. I saw about 15 minutes of it. Nothing, there is nothing on television worth watching anywhere. And I'm channel surfing, and I watched the last 15, 20 minutes of Bruce Almighty. And remember when he goes, it's good, it's good, it's good. Remember that? Yeah. That's why that's there. I'm sorry. That's where my mind went. It's what he's saying here. And I know when you heard that, you said that. It's good. I'm good. I know that. Here's what I want you to understand. I am preaching salvation. I will always preach salvation. I will preach Jesus every time I'm looking for the day that I get to have the Billy Graham moment where I preach and everybody that's not saved in the house comes forward to the altar. I want that day to come. I want that day to come and I'll just die happy. It'll be fine. But here's what I also want to have happen. Because I know it takes a long time sometimes after you are saved to realize what the life that you have been saved to really looks like. That's what I want you to hear. All of us are stuck. A lot of us are stuck on the sinner saved by grace thing, which you absolutely are. But don't stop there because there's something much, much bigger. That's what he's saying right here. There is more to this if you will just listen. And I promise that some of you will never get it. Because you will not stop and you will not listen. I'm good. I'm saved. I'm good. I've got it. I'm okay. And you're too busy chasing snake whisperings to realize that what you want, you already have. It's a gift sitting in your lap, waiting to be opened. But you're looking over it for something else. That's what I want to change. That's what God's saying. I want you to hear. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. While he is near, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Do you hear him? He's saying, here's your chance. Here is your chance. Now is the time before you give, before you give yourself over completely to chasing snake talk. Before you sell your soul, so to speak, for the things that you know when you do it will not fulfill you. You know it. While you still have a chance, he says. Listen. And if you've been wicked, 
Maybe your picture has one time been on the front page of the paper above the fold with the headline. If you are above the fold on the Jones County paper, the headline is never good. It doesn't say, Randy Darnell saves the day. It says, Randy Darnell goes to prison. I might be wrong once or twice, but I'm pretty close, right? You know that. You read the paper. Maybe that's been you. Everybody knows. Or maybe nobody knows what you've done. Maybe nobody has a clue what you've done. But you know. And if you're unrighteous, the phrase unrighteous here literally means that you are a troublemaker. And I'm telling you right now, the definition of a troublemaker is if everywhere you go there seems to be trouble, what is the constant? That's good. That came off the cuff. That's not here. I want to say that one again. If everywhere you go there is trouble, then what is the constant? If you are a troublemaker, there is still hope for you. If you will hush and listen, there's still compassion for you. God will abundantly pardon you, he says. You do not have to live, you do not have to live with guilt for anything that you have ever done unless you choose to live with that guilt. You don't have to. It's not yours. But if you'll quit listening to the snake talk and you'll listen to God's truth speaking, you will know that you know that you know that your sins, your crimes, your failings, whatever, have all been forgiven, they've all been pardoned, and they've all been put away, and you are a new creature living under new rules of a transcendent God. Now listen to this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's why it matters that we worship a transcendent God. With the way we think, if you've committed a crime, you're guilty and you should pay. If you've sinned, you deserve everything you get for what you've done. You should feel shame. You should feel guilt. You should feel alone. You should feel like everybody's watching you. You should feel the sting of a community that knows who you are and what you've done and what kind of person you are. But God says, I don't think like that. I don't think like you think. I don't act like you act. I have a higher purpose for your life than for you to wallow in guilt and shame and dishonor and self-pity and depression and loneliness and hurt. I have a higher purpose for you, something that you did not and cannot even imagine. I am transcendent. I'm higher than you. My thinking is more excellent than your thinking. You see for the moment, I see for eternity, and there is no compromising this. You can walk around and you can be, I heard on the news that the, 
A group of atheist soldiers are mad somewhere because there's a God bless the soldier sign. Been there for nine years. They want to tear it down. People want to tear every religious thing they can down anywhere they possibly can tear it down. Stop the name of God anywhere. That's fine, God saying. I don't care because, see, I am almighty God. There is no compromise. I am here. This is how I act. This is what's going to happen. Do what you want to do. I don't care. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Take this to the bank, God says. If I say it, it will happen. If I say it, it will happen. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I, uh, which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. If I said it, it will happen. It will accomplish exactly what I say it will accomplish. It will never fail. God does not know failure. Do you understand what that means? He does not know failure. When I tell you that something is truth, truth causes what I want it to cause. What, I, what my truth says will happen, will happen. I do not fail. And we look through this scripture, we ask ourselves the question, what does God want? This is what he said. He says, hush. Come to me and listen and pay attention and take this to heart. I am the snake killer. I will change your life. I will make your soul sit still for the first time in your existence. I will bring joy to your heart. I will set you free. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. This is what your soul will look like. Regardless of what is happening, you will go out in joy. Regardless of what is said or done, you will be led through life in peace by me, says God. And listen to this. When this happens in your soul, when you hush and draw near and listen and call on him, all creation rejoices. Back years and years ago, I, I was, went to a promise keepers thing and they called all the pastors to come down and stand on the floor of the Georgia Dome. Stood on the floor of the Georgia Dome and it was full of men. I mean, that bad boy was full of men, wall to wall, all the way around the house, full of men. And we got the pastors on the floor, and he asked the, he asked the crowd to applaud the pastors for what the pastors were doing and blah, 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 blah. And all these people cheered, and I'm telling you, I understand feeling football. Yes, sirree, Bob, I do. That is a fantastic feeling to stand there and hear this <sighs> happening all around you. This scripture is saying here that when you, when you stop and when you listen, and when you hear, and when he works in your soul, that not only is a crowd of 50,000 men cheering for you, all of creation rejoices, he says. 
All of creation rejoices. The hills break out in song. The trees clap their hands. The briars and thorns that have been living in your soul are plowed under. And there's new growth. And it shall make a name for the Lord. There we go. God's glory. People will say, look at him. Look at her. What happened to them? And somebody will say, well, they got religion. And you'll say, no, I didn't. I got Jesus. Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed who I am. And your life will be a sign of God's handiwork forever.